Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Blue, White and Yellow podcast from Leeds United Live. Giving you the in-depth analysis on all the big talking points from Ellen Road. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Blue, White and Yellow podcast with myself, Connor McGilligan, your multimedia producer and your Leeds United writers, Baron Cross and Joe Donahue. Baron, fresh from uh, a trip back from London. How was it, Baron? Did you enjoy yourself? It was great. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say fresh. Um, that there is there is very little glamour in this job. Uh, people don't quite see the late nights and uh, and all this kind of stuff. But no, it was it was great to go down to the capital and and even better to see Leeds win uh, and in dramatic fashion as well. Yeah, hundred um, percent. JD, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, um, the, a win by proxy. I think that the, a bit of a stalemate, nil nil, and then it, oh, it had to be penalties, didn't it? I was I was a bit nervous with. Rodrigo going up first, but yeah, he put it put it away nicely, and then then the the rest followed, didn't they? Yeah, I feel like the penalty should, should just be its own segment. Segment, to be honest, it was extraordinary. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of people will be expecting us to touch on Newcastle, but we've done that to death. You can check that out on all of our previous Facebook lives. Um, if you if you're listening, you can check us out on uh, Facebook at Leeds United Live. But uh, Baron, five and a half thousand Leeds fans down there uh, last night and and it seemed like they never stopped singing <laughs> yeah did you get the numbers from joe donahue i've heard he's uh, i've heard he's done the maths on this one i think it was 48 <laughs> percent. is that right joe yeah it was 48 percent. got my calculator yeah. out mid-game um <laughs> and uh yeah i think eleven thousand two hundred ninety-nine in attendance uh and 5400 sorry to correct you there connor uh <laughs> sorry lead. so yeah, forty-eight percent, and that's the, they're the they're the official numbers. But we don't know how many clandestine Leeds fans were in the home end or the neutral yeah. end or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. It was. I mean, the, the numbers kind of you can sum up what the atmosphere was like. It felt like a Leeds home game, to be honest. Um, I just I, I don't know what like the what what do the Fulham fans do? Like, do they sing? Like, do they... <laughs> no, but have you seen the have you seen the image of it's on it's on Twitter? I'm sure everyone's seen it. But there's a guy. Uh, cutting up a Victoria sponge cake uh, in oh. the home end. I don't, know if you've, I don't know if you've seen that. I don't think it's... that was last night, but I have seen that before. Yeah. Okay. Was that it a just fits, general yeah, one? I've it seen fits that the profile so well. Like it, it, it is, it, yeah. It's a lovely place to go. You get really well looked after. The, the club staff there are very welcoming. You get decent food. We had a nice little goodie bag last night. We didn't quite get the the Michelin starred sort of slap-up meal that we normally get, but it was a, it was a decent little lunch bag. Um, so we felt quite well looked after, but... Yeah, I mean, atmosphere-wise, I'm sure they, they enjoy their football and you know, they're perennially either sort of fighting relegation or sort of romping the championship. So it's there's always pretty decent football to see there. But in terms of atmosphere, I don't want to do, you know, I don't want to tar them all with the same brush. And obviously last night was was very depleted in numbers and it was very much a cup crowd, wasn't it? You know, I'd imagine quite a few people who can't normally go to league games were there last night. And um, yeah, Leeds fans just completely dominated proceedings and... Um, it was, it was, yeah, it was thoroughly enjoyable to be honest, and um, some pretty decent football on the pitch. Marcelo was 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 quite sort of um, dismissive 
of how they played and, and sort of whilst he was insisting Leeds deserved to beat Newcastle, which some of us didn't quite agree with last night, he was sort of doing them down a bit. And I didn't think they were that bad at all last night, to be honest, given who was on the pitch and when. Mm, yeah, 100%. I guess that brings us back to the the starting eleven. Um JD, I know me and you were speaking about it. Were there any surprises in there for you? Um, surprises? I wouldn't say any of them were surprises. I think it was the fact that that was this, as strong as a team that Bielsa could realistically name. Um given how depleted the squad was. You know, no Rafinha, Harrison, Bamford, Ailing, Strouk, Llorente, Cock, Cooper. I mean, obviously Cooper wasn't sidelined with injury or or, or anything as, as, so far as we know, but, um, you know, him him dropping out and, and Calvin Phillips and Charlie Cresswell starting in centre-half was maybe a small surprise. Um, but again, it was it was what we expected really, wasn't it? We, we thought Robertson, Rodrigo would probably play. Uh, James and Somerville were... were you know, almost nailed on to start. Mm. Um, I think given that, in, in, in hindsight, given that Forshaw only played 30 minutes coming back for an injury uh, in the 23s, uh, two days prior, it was probably a bit ambitious to be expecting him to start again. Um, so his, I don't know, however many minutes that he played, were r- roughly around 35 minutes or something like that, um, was was probably less um, less of a surprise. But yeah, I was, I was pleased with the start in 11. I thought it competed well you know, withheld that the early Fulham pressure. Um uh and then clearly the pre match cans of Carabao kicked in and Leeds started to, to actually click into gear a little bit. Yeah, uh, it was it was well documented at the start, Fulham making eleven changes, Leeds making the four, but obviously it was it was really forced, wasn't it, in terms of injuries for Leeds United. But I mean there was still some some players in that Fulham side who had who had you know Premier League experiences. Hector, Brian, obviously they brought Deckard over, Reed, and Carvalho on. So there's still some serious depth in that Fulham side, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I don't recall them bringing on Ricardo Carvalho. I think he's uh, I think he's probably retired by now. But let's say Deckard over Reed, and did I say Cavale- Cavale- Cavalero. Ivan Cavalero, come on! This is Sorry, this is the this is the problem. Probably being live podcast, <laughs> you know. Um, but no, no, I can see, I can see why they did that because they, you know they're they're two match winners that they could have brought on. Um, there were quite a few in that Fulham team who hadn't really had too many minutes uh, or too too many appearances so far this season. So you're hmm. kind of ha- hoping that that Leeds would catch them cold, but um, obviously that wasn't the case. But given the how depleted the, the starting eleven was from Leeds' perspective. I think it was really good, good account, to be honest. Um, I'd, I'd probably agree with Beren in that Bielsa was quite dismissive, as, as he said, and somewhat surprising. But I think that may be to do with the fact that he just loads penalty shootouts because it's just a, it's a lottery. It's not a game of skill where you where you deserve to win in the way that he probably hopes that that games will be decided. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he was maybe a little bit harsh uh, in his post match, but end of the day. You know, leads us through to the fourth round, which is which is nosebleed territory under Bielsa, isn't it? Yeah. Afternoon, uh, Stephen Higgins and everybody else who is here on the live chat. Um, Dan James, partner had a baby, and then he he flew down in a in a helicopter to to arguably have his uh, best performance for Leeds, Baron. I'm still getting this image of, uh, of of them trying to convince Bielsa that Carabao. Carabao is the the, the ideal pre match drink that Joe's mentioned. Can you imagine that sell from Benoit and the nutrition guys? No, no, this is definitely what they need. Like this will really get them going during the match. I just I've got the image out of my head now. Um, yeah, Dan James. Well, I mean, we, we've got a small pool to deal with, haven't we? I mean, we, yeah, we can say it's his best performance, but he's only been here two minutes. Um, yeah, much much better. Quite encouraging, really. 
Um, I'm, I'm pleased that Fulham weren't like just a bunch of kids and kind of it, it means you can't sort of throw away all the observations you would make because if he played well against a, a 17 year old then you know there's not really much you can kind of draw from that but Cyrus Christie wasn't wasn't dreadful um, and, and has got a, a decent amount of EFL experience to at least give Dan James something to think about we saw his pace for the first time I didn't really get to see much of that against Newcastle but um, absolutely rapid you know we, when he really turns the burners on for that, that first sort of 5-10 yards it's crazy how he can keep the ball in touch when uh, when when you think it's going out, um, and, he, and he used it to, to good effect for some inception. So our Fulham was some really really loose passing at times, and I think some of the land James both benefited from a couple of interceptions apiece over the course of the evening. Um, not quite a goal or assist from James, which I'm sure is is obviously what what he's after uh, as a winger in this day and age. But plenty to be encouraged about, and I think he's only going to get better from here. Um, as you would expect, looked at his best when he got in behind. You know, I think we'll talk about Cresswell more, but he was really, I've seen some joy in that first half with, with some of the diagonals. He had the time and space to pick those passes over the top of Christie's head. And once James found the space to get in behind, he, he terrorised the, the full and back line, much with the same with uh, Somerville and Rodrigo on the other side. So, yeah, I, I think much better to come from James. And uh, I'm sure Marcelo fully appreciates the, the sacrifice he made to get down from Manchester, although... I would imagine if if it came down to a choice of either him being there for his his baby or or playing the game without a helicopter, then I wonder what Marcelo might have said. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Uh, you mentioned him there, Cresswell, uh, obviously starting at the back next to Calvin Phillips. Very unusual partnership, but personally, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Uh, I, can't, I, I don't know what his statistics, statistics would be on him. It, the aerial duels won, but yeah, I thought he was absolutely fabulous. JD he did everything he needed to really. Well, that's why I'm on the podcast. I can bring you those statistics straight from the top of my head, just like the attendance numbers. As soon as you said it, Connor, I thought, oh, Jay's going to reel off, isn't he? Like, he's, he's literally just got to wait. As soon as I oh, said the word, aerial jewels. <laughs> the trigger word. No more in the game. I've got LUFC Data's Twitter account here. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, it was 11, actually. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> 11 that he won, um, which yeah, was quite quite, a, quite a number. Um, and the fact that nobody else got anywhere close to that kind of means that pretty much everyone else on the Leeds team just went, you know, be my guest, Charlie, you you dominate in the air and we'll we'll pick up the pieces on the floor. But yeah, I think he was he was as good as you could have sort of hoped for, really. Um, and just his second second appearance for the club. Um, you've got you know, I think it was a year, just over a year between his first and second appearance. Um, and based on the current injury list, it could be a matter of three or four days before his, between his second and third. So um, I think that year break between appearances has probably done him good. You know, he's captained the 23s in the to, to the PL2 Division 2 title last year. He started the season uh, with the 23s in excellent form uh, this year. Uh, and... You know, a lot gets made about how he's, you know, a dying breed. I think Mark Jackson described him as, or, you know, he's this he's this old school defender. But as Baron was saying there, he was hitting quite a few diagonals, uh, even the ones that that um, that didn't reach their target. You know, they caused problems for Cyrus Christie. Um, and as well, you know, halfway through the, the first half, um, I think it was Calvin and, and, and Cresswell swapped in terms of Cresswell started on the right of the centre-back pairing and then, he swapped to the left-hand side. So it shows a little bit of versatility there that he can be used in, in both uh, in both centre-back slots. So, yeah, I think, I mean, let's not get carried away, but it was it was encouraging to say the least that, you know, he can he can, he can can mix it against the top 
a top level full at Fulham side, you know, a, a decent, a decent, um, a decent championship 11. I think that was, even if it wasn't Fulham's strongest side. Yeah. Um, 58% of the vote, I think Cresswell got as well. Overwhelming support. Um, Crescencio Somerville, I thought he maybe faded towards, you know, in, in the second half, but I thought in the first half, um, some, you know, some nice little runs and he didn't really fully get in the game, but it was still a positive performance from him, wasn't it, Baron? Yeah, I think much like James, he, he he looked better than he did at Newcastle. He had a bit more time to to kind of work his magic. And as the match grew on, he kind of grew into it and, and was drawing more and more fouls and mistakes from Joe Bryan, who, again, as we all know, is a very, very experienced and quite successful left-back. Um, but Somerville got better and better, and he, he was quite happy to tell Dallas where he wanted the ball. He was quite happy to correct Dallas and, and try and tell him what he wanted. Um, picked up some decent positions in space, as I say, made made some decent interceptions. Didn't quite get the opening he would have wanted to really have a tear at them. And I think for obvious reasons, the chemistry with Rodrigo and Roberts was a little bit off given they've never really played together. So there was a few half moments here and there where it could have opened up for them. But yeah, I think I think the second half, I mean, there's this bias you have in the press box where you naturally see more of the players on your side of the pitch. And in the second half, he went to the far side. So it's easy for me to say he faded because I didn't quite see as much of him on, on that far side. But I probably would agree with you that I think by the time McKinstry came on, it was probably probably fair enough. Yeah, probably around the right time to be to be bringing him off as well, given that he you know he played against played that fifteen twenty. Well, it was probably around half an hour that he played against Newcastle, wasn't it? Um, and then a matter of days later, he's playing he, from the start. I think we saw Charlie Cresswell pull up with a bit of cramp sort of towards the end of the game, didn't we? Which I think is indicative of just the the, the the physical you know the demands the rigor that you have to to go uh, to be prepared for to play senior football even if it is in the in the league cup you know that the the physical demands that the the strikers are going to put you under if you're a defender or the, the attack or the, or the defenders if you're an attacker um is going to put your body under more 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 and more stress so um yeah i think it was probably the right decision to to protect him and bring him off but i thought he he did really well drew fouls uh, brilliantly which we've seen in the 23s um when he was starting out on that right hand side um i thought that is is sort of out to in movements you know those runs from the byline towards the the penalty area were quite quite good quite purposeful um and that's exactly what you want to see from a winger who's breaking into the team you want to see you don't want to see any sort of tentative um, you know, playing within yourself, you want to see something which is gonna is gonna change things. And I thought, again, same with Cresswell, he kind of he played as well as you you hoped he would have done. Did everybody else really enjoy Jamie Shackleton in central midfield, or was that just me? Because I mean, I was getting Joshua Kimmick vibes. Don't know about you, JD. <laughs> that's a big claim. Maybe just in terms of how much he looks like him. I don't know, but I think that's the closest <laughs> comparison you could make. Is that he looks a bit like him? He's probably around the same height. Um, yeah, I, I, you've completely thrown me with that. I won't lie. Um, <laughs> I knew that I'd completely oh my word. ruin you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought he was stable. I thought he made those runs where, which Calvin Phillips does, where sort of you know one of the the fullbacks has it or the centre half has it, and mm-hmm. what you'll do is you'll sort of you'll run around the outside of the the player that's sort of pressing the um, or blocking. Uh, the the pass for uh, in the middle, he'll run around the side of them and maybe just offer offer a, an angle, be a little wall pass for 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 the for the fullbacks. Um, there was a little bit of that with Stuart Dallas on the right hand side, which I thought was quite important. Shows that he's clearly been 
paying attention in the in the the meetings that Bielsa and the coaching staff have been putting on before that game. So yeah, I thought he was. You know, I think the the biggest compliment you could give him was that there were times when you didn't notice that he was in a new position. Yeah, yeah I liked him. I liked him as the defensive midfielder. I thought it was really, really impressive. I thought it was right up there with with Calvin and Charlie as, as some of the best players on the pitch before the penalties. And when Ilan stole the headlines, like Joe says, he picked up some great positions. He looked very, very similar to Calvin at times. And we know about his pace and his agility and ability to get around the pitch and always offer an option to, to teammates. I'm sure the Fulham opposition and the Fulham formation helped him at times. But um, yeah, he, he didn't look like somebody who was... Um, new, new to the position. I think the closest he's got to that position before was at Wolves last season away, when it was a bit more of a four-four-two than a than as a an actual you know a one between the the two banks of four. So we've not seen that from him before, but um, yeah, a lot of potential there. And, and who knows which which way his career will go, either under Bielsa or after Bielsa. You know, he, he could well make that position his own. But I think his physical attributes mean that he's probably better used, sort of either as a fullback or as a dynamic centre mid moving forward. Did you think that we lost something in the midfield, Baron, when he was taken out of there? Possibly, but I don't know if that says more about where Dallas is at the moment than, than Shackleton, because I think Shackleton, whilst we might have lost something from him in the middle, I think we gained something from him on the right. Again, blistering down that right flank. He's just so quick and so well suited to that position on the overlap. I, I think Forshaw did did okay. You know, I don't think Forshaw looked out of place when when he went into that role. Um, certainly had to find his running legs with uh, Domingos Quina running at him. Uh, for so long out, I'm sure pace and things are, are the stuff that are going to take the longest for Forshaw to recover. But um, yeah, may, maybe he lost a touch, but I, I don't think it was desperate. I think that the match, as anybody that watched it will know, it, it did kind of get away from Leeds in the last 15, 20 minutes because it just became very stretched. It was much more open. There was obviously a few more younger players on the pitch. Mm. And Fulham, of course, tried to take advantage of that by, by throwing more players forward. And of course, Whilst Leeds were bringing on kids, Fulham were bringing on better players and improving with with the players they had on the field. So it did open up a little bit, but I don't know if that was all down to Shackleton being moved out of there. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point there, Baron, just to touch on Adam Forshaw. Um, yeah, I thought he did really well. And sometimes when it gets a bit chaotic in that central midfield space for Leeds United, when it's one touch, two touch, I thought Adam Forshaw sort of brought a lot of um, composure in the midfield there, yeah. JD. Yeah, I'd, I'd say there was one instance where Josh Onimo was able to get through, um, which kind of shone a light on the fact that maybe he's not quite at that level to play 90 minutes in the Premier League. But, I mean, he was good enough. I think it's fair to say he gave you sort of a, you know, a, a bit of solidity in the, in the midfield. I think he, you know, he performed capably. Um, but I think the... That you know, the important thing is that he's eased through games. You know, he's not rushed back. There's not not really any need to rush him back. Um, so games like that, I mean, depending on on who leads get in the um, in 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 the fourth round draw. Um, again, if he can stay fit, then there's the there's the potential for another start there for him in in the cup competition. So that'll be valuable. Um, so you know, the he he'll probably be one of the more you know, pleased players that that he's have progressed uh, in the cup because it, it it represents a better opportunity for him to get starts and, and minutes under his belt. Yeah, I don't know about you two, but there's been a lot of chat um, on social media at this moment in time about Rodrigo, and it seems like a fifty-fifty split in terms of last night. People, some people thought it was poor, some people thought it was very good. 
I, I thought he he gave a drive to Leeds in the midfield. I thought he was at points really the the only player who looked like he was he was going to do something through that central space. I was just keen to get your take on his on his on his performance last night. What did you think? What did you make of him, Baron? Obviously, we, you know we talk about him on a in a defensive stance, but I thought going forward he was he was decent again. Yeah, I think he's probably somewhere in the middle. I don't think he was terrible. I don't think he was amazing. I think. What's, what really impressed me last night was that he's not getting his head down. Like he, he's clearly a player that's not in form at the moment and is clearly low on confidence. You could see that again in the first 15 minutes where he scuffed a few shots. I think there was one I remember which he shanked wide, which was a, not a brilliant chance, but it, it was a bit like the um, the chance in the fifth minute against Liverpool. It was sort of centre of goal, he had a bit of space, a bit of time, and he just completely fluffed it you know, a mm. good 10 yards wide. And there was, there was a few little instances like that where sort of passes weren't coming off for him. And you can tell he's low on confidence. But you get this when you interview him. He's such a positive person. He's so upbeat. There's no sign of ego or sulkiness. He's not sullen. Um, and you look at his CV and, and you could you could forgive him for maybe being a bit like that and, and thinking about how tough it is for him at the moment, given that he's this big status signing, you know, the most expensive footballer in Leeds United's history. But he just keeps plugging away. He keeps going at it. He keeps trying things. He's not. He's not. He's not becoming shy. He's not going for the safe passes. He's. He's still trying things. And I. I did notice that last night, which, which did impress me. So yeah, I mean, the, the final product wasn't always there. But I do agree with you. If if it was going to come from any avenue last night, in the absence of Rafinha, Bamford, Rodrigo had to be that guy that took on the mantle. And the fact, I think, the fact that they also gave him ninety minutes shows again that. I was a bit more encouraged last night that he can play his way back into form, that if we do just keep playing him, it will come rather than feeling like last week where we're going to keep playing him and it's just not going to turn. So there were definitely signs that encouraged me last night. Yeah, I'd say it was encouraging. Um, you know, the, the, the end product, as Baron said, was was lacking. And I think he had about six shots and there were a few which were just shanked. And, and you did think, oh, come on, like you've got to be doing better with that. But at the end of the day, he was getting in positions to to have more shots than any other player on the team you know he was he was being that link player between the wide players and and, and the central players I, he I mean the work rate you can never ever fault because he just constantly is he's, he's constantly worrying away um so I was encouraged by that because you know as Baron says you know I hadn't actually considered it you know he's not getting his head down he's not sort of resting on his laurels and thinking oh you know this is going to be another season where I'm going to toil away and maybe not get the the rewards um I think it was it was indicative of a player who's willing to fight for his place who's willing to say you know what I'm not going to let a poor five games or a poor four games to start the season define my year um so yeah I'm I'm, I'm pleased with with the performance that you had obviously the goals weren't there but if if players were were judged solely on their goals and assists and that was it then it'll be a pretty boring game to watch yeah, one hundred percent. We still saw some moments of, of Fulham carving out the the, the midfield, uh, really, and, and obviously that highlights a few problems going into the weekend. But do you think it was it was sort of a big problem last night, Baron, or do you think Leeds cope with it okay? With Fulham driving through the middle, yes. Um, no, I don't think it's a massive issue. So I think that the team will hopefully change again on Saturday. Um, I think I think Fulham had their chances. Melee had saves to make in the first half, but you know, it never felt like Fulham were kind of on top or the better team. Um, they were kind of turning the ball over and, and very quickly developing shooting opportunities. And I think Melee probably should have held on to one or two of them. He, he certainly parried one or two, which sort of made them look maybe a bit more impressive than they were. But 
Um, nothing particularly concerned me through the middle. Now, I think Rodrigo, as we've already talked about Rodrigo, I think Click was fine. I think I gave him a six last night, just very, very steady. Pops up, he, he helps out, but doesn't really shine at the moment. Um, and then, yeah, Dallas went into the middle in the, in the second half and I don't know. He's just he's just having a bit of a difficult moment at the moment. Dallas again at right back and in the middle. He didn't particularly impress me. He set the bar so high last season. Um, took another whack last night in his ankle and obviously received treatment. And I think we were all a bit bit worried when he went down. And, and and Dallas isn't somebody who goes down easily. I know that's a horrendous cliche, but he's not he's not somebody that kind of fakes injury. And then he took a whack on his head in the second half. Uh, and I'm sure there was concussion protocols followed there to make sure that he was he was fine to continue. But just not quite happening for him at the moment. Um, and I don't know if that maybe helped with Fulham sort of breaking those lines in the second half. Yeah, I, I, can't, I, I agree with what Baron's saying. You know, I think it, it's it's something which I wasn't overly concerned about. And, you know, you can't really complain with a clean sheet at the end of the day. But West Ham will be a different challenge altogether, I think. And yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit of a switch up might be needed. Hundred mm, percent, and we should probably touch on the penalty, <laughs> the penalties at the end, which was uh, it was quite extraordinary. But you know, we saw the likes of Gellard come on uh, McKinstry with two fabulous penalties, and um, yeah, I thought I thought Leeds really held the run nicely. It was good to see uh, Melier um, getting the obviously the defining penalty save. Um, we hid behind a cushion, JD. No, no, I was I was brave enough to it. I was as soon as I saw Joe Gellhart step up, I thought he's he's missed his last two. This is a very bold call from Bielsa, as as we then found out in the press conference uh, that uh, I'm sure Baron will, will inform us as it was his question. But Bielsa's decision to name those 23s, it wasn't a, a you know a, a first come first serve step forward basis. Um, but yeah, I was I, I was I was pleased with how they how they conducted themselves. Um, Junior Furpo's penalty though. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that one, wasn't it? That was that was hit with some venom. He has absolutely no finesse about him, does he? Um, just yeah, just slammed it. But uh, yeah, a few a, a, a few which went over the bar, which were you know I, I think is is it's never good. But I mean, at the end of the day, the, the shootout was won, and Melier's the hero. I think a good save gets down well to to his left. But um, yeah, penalties are exciting. I, I always think there's you know. It, you get to that point in the game and you think, ah, oh, well, you know what, even if we lose, it's, it's, it's a lottery at this point, you know, there's no merit in it, but Hey, it was, it was exciting. Yeah, it was, it was a lottery Baron, but it's see it, after 90 minutes and, and us against the championship side leads, leads had to win that one. Didn't we just for confidence? Yeah. And uh, yeah, you, you can imagine the implosion if they'd lost the penalty shoot. I mean, I'd, I think I spoke about this, um, before the game, and I think maybe priorities have changed off the back of the Newcastle game and the walking wounded and how many issues they had. And given how the season started, I think clearly everybody is, is prioritising safety. And I'm sure the interest in a cup run has diminished since beating Crew. Um, so maybe there wouldn't have been a, an entirely sort of implosion if they'd lost the penalty shootout. I think people would have looked for the silver linings, regardless if they'd won or lost. There were there were plenty of those with, with the younger lads that had played. Um, but yeah, I, I think we wanted them to win. They had to win uh, based on the balance of play in the ninety minutes. And yeah, I think Furpo was probably the one I would have picked out. I was, I was, I was a little bit unsure about Junior with him being a left back and had a, a checkered start to his, his Leeds United career. But yeah, cracking pen and Gellhart was just brilliant as well. Um, the Fulham fans were properly giving it, 
given at some time because they 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 are aware of the narrative. I think most people are aware of the narrative around Gelhart as this um, this prodigy who's got a big future in the game, and they made sure that they tried to put him under as much pressure as possible. But the technique was just brilliant the way he lashed it in. But um, as Joe says, it's it's strange for somebody who's so techni- technically competent that his, his penalty record's not great at all. Um, but he, he lashed it well. And yeah, McKinstry was, I mean, if he meant it, I don't know if he mishit it, but if he meant it, I mean, I need to see oh, it back. I'm, I'm probably doing him a disservice, but it was a, it was a <laughs> really rolled pen, wasn't it? Yeah, very, very nice. calm. Yeah, Rodak. Motherwell, isn't it? How to take a very cultured penalty. <laughs> Rodak just stood in the middle as well, didn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. Nice. Bra- brave from Rodak as well, really. But we'll just um, we'll just read out a couple of questions before uh, we get on to the West Ham chat. Uh, Cresswell looks Premier League ready. Strange that Dallas was kept on the field. Uh, took knock after knock. He did, didn't he? He seemed to be in the wars last night. Uh, Stuart Dallas, as as Baron alluded to uh, earlier. Al Matt says um, Cresswell for me should always start at centre back uh, instead of Cooper or Bill. I mean, I mean, you've touched on it um, quite a bit, uh, JD, in, in terms of not expecting too much from our youngsters. And I think Peter Burroughs sort of highlights this as well. The game highlighted for me the gap between the under-23s league and the premiership uh, to expect uh, players to bridge that gap straight away is not realistic. It is evolution, not revolution. Um, and, and, and yeah, you, you do kind of get that feel, don't you? Yeah, I think that's perfectly sums it up. Evolution, not revolution. Um, I think we did notice the difference. I mean, Charlie Cresswell absolutely strolls through games for the under-23s, but there were times when he was really sort of, you know, put put out uh, against Fulham. And Fulham, that is a... that The, the 11 they put out was probably, a, I don't know, a mid-table championship team. Um, it kind of... The performance, and while there is only one performance to go off, does sort of reinforce my belief that that he could have gone into the championship on loan this season and and done reasonably well but there's no guarantee of minutes um especially for you know an 18 19 year old central defender i think the last the last central defender that age to go on loan in the championship and play regularly throughout the season was Stephen Colker around 10 years ago so it would have been quite rare for that to happen um but yeah i think the expect i think the expectation <laughs> Where has he got that from? Where has he got Stephen Coker from? Go and check it out. It'll be right. It'll be right. Oh, yeah, Stephen Coker, 18, 19, yeah, 40 odd games. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Go and check it out. Yeah, but it would have been it would have been a, a huge, huge endorsement for him to go and do that. But I think, yeah, instead of um, Luke Alien or Liam Cooper, I think the the the, the the intangible leadership qualities that that they they offer, you know, the the, the constant just marshalling of the back line, you know, players knowing what they're like, where they're likely to be positioned, is is something which I think is is difficult to 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 put into to words to quantify really about how important that's going to be. So maybe not there yet, maybe not Premier League ready yet. Um, you know, could come in on a contingency basis as we see young central defenders do, but. Um, I'd definitely say sort of mid mid table level championship ready. Yeah, what are your thoughts, Baron? Yeah, I think PL ready is probably a bit of a stretch. I think you'd, you'd have to the jury's still out on that until he's played four, five, six games maybe. But very encouraging last night. Obviously, a year on from from playing the whole game um, in the Carabao Cup last season, which which was okay, but he didn't really stand out anywhere near as much as he did last night. And we've touched upon this in, in the past, but the England under twenty one call up is is a huge. Um, feather in his cap. I mean, that's 
that says what the industry thinks of him at the moment. You know, these are proper football people making selection decisions like that, and they're selecting him off the back of 23's football to play in a in an England squad which is which is generally dominated by Premier League regulars, you know, albeit youngsters, but but players who are playing regularly for their clubs. So that's a sort of echelon he's at now. You know, he's playing for England's second team, or he's he's in the he's in the mix for their best centre back. So I would have no qualms about playing him and just seeing how he gets on, but I think it's a it's a stretch to kind of stick him anywhere near ahead of what we'd consider the, the first five choices. Uh, it will be interesting to see what they do on Saturday. I think Ailing, of course, is one we need to watch. Bielsa gave gave nothing away last night, but clearly serious enough for the club to actually put out a, a proper press release yesterday, which is quite unusual for injuries unless they are you know, months at a time or surgeries needed. But there's no indication of that. Uh, no time frame has been put on it either from the club or Bielsa. I think we all are we all sort of are quietly hopeful. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Bamford was out and about on Monday, wasn't he? Doing doing a press call with with these cycle lanes in Leeds, so he's well enough to be out and about on his feet. He's not like he's bedridden. So um, it will be interesting with the centre backs. I think I think he'd probably favour having Phillips and Cooper there rather than putting Cresswell in there and. I suppose it's it's the toss-up, isn't it? Do you want Phillips as the DM with Cresswell back there, or do you want Phillips back there with either Click or Shackleton as the as the DM? But I think he'd probably rather have Click and Phillips there for the experience. I think it's a bit much to ask Cresswell to go in there up against Antonio and, and the way West Ham are playing. I mean, that's a huge step up and could be quite. I mean, I think I mean Joe might have shared it the other day on on Twitter, but I think there was a video dug up, wasn't there, from his Bill Bow days, and Bielsa said that. He doesn't chuck youngsters in for the sake of it. He's very, very conscious of them be, of it being a damaging experience. And I don't think he wants Cresswell to go in there and if he has a bad game, gets his head down. Yeah, it was something like this. You, you, you can throw loads of players in just to increase the list of days. Just to say you've done it, yeah. Yeah, just for the sake of it, to make yourself look good. But the point is to to put them in when you know they're going to be successful, which probably means, you know, making them play under 23s football until you're absolutely 100% certain that they are ready to go in, not just when they're starting to ask the question or, you know, are they first team ready, but um, to the point where it's, it's you know, th- there's a there's a safe margin to say that these players are probably going to be good enough. So, yeah, I mean, he, Bielsa's already always said that as well, that already this season, um, I think it was before the Everton game when he was saying uh, something about how the, the senior pros in the squad will effectively let him know when the under-23s are ready to make that step up. You know, he said um, that they might not come come to his office and, and say it directly to him, but they'll want they'll want these young players on their side. They'll want them to be in the squad and, and that sort of thing. And I, I suppose that must have happened this season or in this pre-season with the likes of um, Somerville, Creswell, Gellhart and, and the like, uh, you know, Stuart McKinstry as well, clearly, um, for him to have made a debut last night. But... Yeah, I think it would be. I'm I'm going to side with Baron on that in terms of it probably will be Phillips and Click who are playing that. You know, Phillips maybe at centre half and, and Click in the defensive midfield um, against West Ham, just because the experience is is going to be really valuable against players like Thomas Suchek, Declan Rice, you know, Mikel Antonio. They're, they yeah, they, I think they'd view a young player going in at 18, 19 and think this is this is a golden opportunity for us. Mm. Yeah, uh, a few more comments. Tommy Hansen says, Rodrigo hasn't found his shooting boots yet, but the last two games show progress. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Definitely. Hopefully he'll get uh, more confidence there. Uh, glad the youngsters uh, got their penalties. And obviously, 
presumably. I mean, you know, uh, they, they, they scored the penalties as, as well. And I think that links to what we were just talking about, isn't it? You know, not having the youngsters in there and God, if they'd have missed, I, I don't know about you, you both, but I was very nervous when McKinstry and Gellhart stepped yeah. up just because as we were just talking about that, you want to protect the kids, mm. don't you, Varen? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I agree with that completely. I think um, Gellhart has probably been in that situation more than McKinstry. So I was a little bit less worried for him. I think, Gellhart's status is so high now that a missed penalty wouldn't really do much for him. But McKinstry remains a bit of an unknown quantity for, for many fans. He's he's not he's not really shone with the 23s as much as, say, a Greenwood, a Gellhart, a Dremay, a Somerville, a Cresswell. Um, and he's, he's been there a couple of years now. And obviously, he's, he's, um, he's improving with his experience and improving with his quality. And I mean, Joe can probably um, fill in the, the blanks for me. But from what I've seen of him in playing that, there's even been some times where he hasn't played or hasn't started and has been quite on the periphery and has been moved around the side into, into quite a few different positions and seems to kind of be used to kind of fill in, fill in gaps. But clearly, something has gone on behind the scenes for him to kind of propel himself up the ranks and become an option for Bielsa and ahead of some other players. And I think looking further back, he's, he's very, very highly regarded. You know, he was he's very much one of the best players Motherwell have produced in recent years and Leeds had to fight off quite a lot of competition to bring him in and the hopes are very, very high that in the long term, he's going to become quite a special player for Leeds. Um, so my, my point is more sort of in the very, very recent short term. It just feels like he wasn't quite at the top of the pecking order, but clearly they're really, really happy with him. And yeah, delighted that he scored his penalty. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I wouldn't have put him within that sort of the, the, the fantastic five of the 23s that you'd say, yeah, they'll probably make their Premier League debuts this this mm. season. Somerville being one, Gelhart, Greenwood, uh, Creswell and, and Cody Drame um, being sort of the, the five that make that up. But, you know, he's McKinstry has been sort of... There have been games where he's shone and he's been comfortably the best player on the pitch in, in this 23s team. And then there have been others where he just hasn't played altogether. Um, so it wasn't as though it was a surprise because he's been on the bench in recent weeks. Um, he was up at Newcastle, wasn't he? Um, but, you know, it does seem as though, you know, he's... He he's kind of come to the fore a little bit quicker than than others. Um, but yeah, he's. I mean, most of the time he plays on the right wing, um, which is obviously the position he came on for Crescencio Somerville last night. Um, but he's also played as a number eight in central midfield. Uh, and I'd say the the best thing about him is his set piece delivery. You know, he's he got an assist for Pascal Strauch's header against Liverpool's twenty threes uh, on Sunday. That was a really good delivery from a corner. Um, he routinely takes free kicks for the for the 23s that, that are sort of to be swung in rather than the ones that Sam Greenwood will take a look at and go, well, I'm, I'm going to try and score another spectacular one here. Um, but he's been reliable and he's been versatile. So I can see why, you know, th- those two things are, are always going to be big ticks in Bielsa's box. So, um, yeah, you can see why he was given, given a, a chance. West Ham United last season, Baron. Um, obviously, two losses for Leeds. Uh, what did you make of them overall? What did you What did you make of, of of both games that Leeds played against them? They're a really good team. Like they, the double they did over Leeds. Um, again, I've not got the stats to hand, but I'm sure Joe's about to correct me. Um, but I mean, are they the only team that did the double over Leeds? Uh, Wolves and Brighton, maybe. Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, they're they, they're definitely the bogey teams in the back of my mind. Um, but yeah, they were good value in both games. Very, just very, very savvy. Like they rode out the the periods that Leeds uh, were strong in uh, and managed to managed to to do them over basically. 
Um, Leeds, Leeds weren't completely outplayed in both those games. They had their moments. Um, but, but ultimately, West Ham were, were good value. And if anything, West Ham look even better coming into this season. I mean, they've, they've strengthened. They've got Zuma in now at the back to try and assist with either Ogbonna or Dawson. We know that Fabianski is a very, very competent Premier League goalkeeper. Sufal and Suchek must be two of the best transfers in recent years in the Premier League in terms of value for money and what they bring to a side. We know about Cresswell's dead ball threat and his quality and experience. Again, he's not going to get done very easily down the left-hand flank. Declan Rice is right up there with Calvin as you know two of the hottest properties in English football. I mean, those two are possibly going to be the cornerstone of English football and the national team for the next 10, 10 12 years. That's how good he is. Um, and then we've not even talked about the attackers. Antonio, I think... It, Injuries have always been his problem, and he's managed to steer, steer clear of him in the past sort of twelve months or so. And when he's fit, he's so so hard to deal with. He's so, got such quality in attack. He's taken the number nine shirt this year. He's really taken on that role as the centre forward after playing as a wing back, as a defender, as a winger, and attacking midfield. He's been everywhere on the pitch. Um, and then and he's he's obviously the fulcrum of everything. But then you've got Ben Rama who after that season of transition at West Ham, is now playing kind of football we expected him to after uh, moving on from Brentford. We all know about Jarrod Bowen. We thought about him off air before we started. Those Hull games, a very, very poor Hull team, and Jarrod Bowen just carried them and proved, proved very, very difficult for, for Leeds to handle in the championship. So he's going to be surrounded by even better players. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's not going to be easy, but that's not news to anybody. Yeah, Jan Malenko. Uh, again, another one who's got vast international experience who David Moyes can call on. I think we were saying this, I can't remember which week it was, Baron, but we were talking about West Ham and we were saying neither of us, neither of us could have foreseen the, the job that David Moyes has done no. with this West Ham team. You know, it harks back to, to the Everton days when he was, you know, pre-Man United, when he was probably regarded as a very, you know, very adept up-and-coming manager. Um, and he's he's kind of turned the corner, I think, after you know the spells at Sunderland and Real Sociedad, and and sort of becoming a bit of a, a bit of a running joke, you know he's he's ended that to an extent. And I think we'll see. We, I mean, we saw against Man United last weekend that West Ham gave them a game. Um, you know, very fortunate not to come away. Very unfortunate, sorry, not to come away with anything from that one. Um, so without without Antonio as well. Yeah. Well, exactly without Antonio, it'll be a difficult game, definitely. Um, I think whether Antonio plays tonight will be a good indicator of whether he starts on Saturday because he's coming back from a third thigh injury in about 12 months, which is, you know, it's not... I mean, David Moyes knows that he can't go an entire season without Antonio. So to risk him bringing, by bringing him back too early would be a bit... Has he been injured? He's been suspended, hasn't he? Yes, he's been suspended, but he has also had... Yeah, thank you for the, correcting me there. Stat man getting it wrong. Um <laughs> I'm just thinking about fantasy football, mate. That's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> he's not been injured, has he? I left him on the bench. I left him on. He's going to start. He's going to start Saturday, Joey. Come on, he's going to start yeah, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It'll be if he doesn't play tonight. It'll be nine yeah. days since his last his last game. Yeah. So you'd imagine that he would start. Um, so yeah, it, it's just a, a question of who who leads put into to try and combat him because last year Diego Llorente had a good game at the London Stadium, didn't he? Um, seemed to do do. Reasonably well, um, mm. as we know. Yeah, Yorente was good that night, wasn't he? It, it, lads, yeah, in, the, in, in, the, in the first game, though, was it Sebastian Aller? Yeah, it was. And yeah, he, he was everything he was awful. Everything bounced off him. Um, yeah, he was uh, awful that night. He, I think he played in. He played. Who did he play in? Was it Cooper? 
no, no, Cooper pressed him, and he played he played one of the Leeds players in inside the penalty area for that for the the penalty kick, didn't it? Oh, he did, Leeds yeah. got in the first few minutes. Yeah. He had a shocking game. Would never yeah. have thought that he would go on to score four goals on his Champions League debut last week, but. Hey, you know he's got out of West Ham and he's he's, he's landed amongst the roses. But everyone um, everyone goes to Ajax and gets better, don't they? Like Dusan's <laughs> had it. It's like yeah. people can be like these sort of very average Premier League players go to Ajax and suddenly like value the, the sixty million pound players again. Davy Klassen, although he came from there in the first place, didn't he? But yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm happy for him, but I'm I'd rather he was playing up front for West Ham than Antonio this weekend. Yeah. Now you mentioned Urense, though. I think anybody that, that might have heard Mateusz Click did an interview with BBC Radio Leeds this week, and and he did give some kind of insight that Urense might not be as far away as we think. And Urense himself, didn't he, at the start of last week, said on Instagram that in his words it wasn't a serious one. So. Maybe I'm being a bit optimistic in terms of him playing this weekend, but you, know, you never know. Bielsa might surprise us when we speak to him tomorrow. He mentioned Robin Cock as well, didn't he, Click? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he did. So, fingers crossed. I mean, you know what Marcelo's like. He, he might not risk them. Uh, I mean, the idea of you know, a sort of bandaged up Llorente going in against the full throttle Antonio doesn't, doesn't sort of bode well, but you never know. Yeah, uh, 100%. I mean, they defend deep in sort of a mid-block and they're, they're very, very strong centrally. Um, it's, it's a difficult one. Uh, but, but JD, where do you see Leeds getting uh, elements of success in this game or is it is it sort of too difficult to call? I don't know, really. I think it's a difficult one to call, to be honest, because mm-hmm. if, you, if you've got... It depends who's available because if Rafinha is still struggling with his hip injury, then that massively nullifies Leeds' threat. If Harrison is still not back from isolation, um, if you're kind of relying on James and Somerville then and you're hoping that you're going to get space in behind. So to an extent, you're hoping that the likes of Creswell and, and Soufal are going to push on. Um, I think just, you know, it, the same way that Leeds play most weeks is, you know, rely on ourselves to to be able to generate something regardless of who the opponent is through the, the tried and trusted methods and practices that we've... That, we've, that they've worked on in the training on, on the training pitch. Um, so, yeah, it'll be again. It'll be a case of if everyone's playing to their maximum level, then Leeds will be in with a shout. If there are one or two who are maybe not at that level, then it could be a long afternoon. Yeah, I I, I agree with what you say there, JD. I guess it's uh, just in terms of Leeds's Leeds's standards. I, I guess the uh, one of the one of the things for this game is to just not give many fouls away on the edge of the box. Any silly fouls. Yeah, well, I mean, they're good at that. They're good at winning those, West Ham. Antonio will know when, when to go down if he's been rolled, um, when someone's going to clip his ankles or something. Rice and Suchek coming through the middle, you know, they're, they're going to make those runs. We know that, to, you know, as a fact. Um, so, yeah, it'll have to be a smart performance, I, I think, from, from Leeds. Yeah, what are your thoughts, Baron? Oh, I, I want to... I want to say that Leeds are better, are better against the good teams, but this season we've kind of disproved that <laughs> fact because, as as Joe said there, they would, in theory, have more space because if West Ham are going to attack more, the fullbacks are inevitably going to push up and that would, in theory, help Leeds with, with space to break into. But as we've seen with Old Trafford and Liverpool at Ellen Road, good teams generally just seem to pin Leeds back and just keep them keep them under the cosh. So yeah, it's going to be really, really tough. Yeah, really, really tough, especially with the injuries and the, and the issues they've got, even if they get... I mean, I think, what was it? I think Saturday morning I counted up there were eight players with at least a question mark over their availability. So, strikes definitely out. Um, Harrison might be okay. I, I mean, we, I asked Bielsa after the Newcastle game, we didn't actually put a date on it. 
but the fact that he was in training Wednesday, wasn't it, when they, in theory, filmed their training video before Newcastle, so it, it could be quite tight for him in terms of being available after isolation. So um, oh, it's going to be tough. Even at full strength, it'll be tough. I think Ellen Road is going to play its part. I think that's that's kind of the big thing we, we can at least be optimistic about is it's not at West Ham and, and the Leeds fans can play a part in the game as they have done in all of the home games. So we've got to hope, but it is going to be tough. Really, really tough. Yeah, but I guess with you know many other sides in this division, they, they might just write this game off. But Bielsa, Bielsa's leads, JD, they always seem to just have an edge, don't they? So you never know. Well, yeah, you never know when that, that typically surprising Bielsa performance will, will come up. I mean, I'm sure there will be at some point this season, whether that's this Saturday with a kind of a sick note squad, who knows? But um you know, every team gets gets a portion of luck at some point in the season, and you know if it's a if it's a penalty which gets awarded by VAR, which might not be a penalty, or you know a, a, an offside call which last season might have been ruled out, which this season um, is is given as a goal, um, or just a wonder strike from somebody. You know, you never know when you're going to get that that luck. Um, so, yeah, you can't. You, you're going to ask ask me for my prediction here, and I don't have one. So you're going to have to go to Baron first, or you're going to have to let me waffle on for a bit longer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll stick my neck neck on the line as well. Um, but I'm going to make Baron stick his neck on the line first. Uh, so it looks really bad or really good. Oh God. <laughs> Two one West Ham. Can you do that on a Leeds podcast? I don't know. I'm being honest. But I think yeah. people people appreciate honesty, don't they? Yeah. And, and they can be pleasantly surprised when Leeds win. <laughs> um, oh, God. Um, head or heart. Uh, I will go... I'll go 2-2. Two, two. So you've gone, you've gone with heart <laughs> then, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> we know where Joe sits on this argument. Yeah, I mean, what, would, what would Bielsa do? You know, he he wouldn't go with heart. He'd go with head, wouldn't he? Um, so, uh, yeah, oh, we a, did a difficult oh, one. Oh, we did that. It's just making it relatable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you know, I've, I've 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 turned people off with all the stats and Stephen Colkers from this episode. So I need to reel them back in somehow. Um, but oh, I would have gone two one, but that's a bit that's a bit boring just to agree with Baron now. It'd be sick very boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you know what? I'm going to go for an entertaining game, but three-two West Ham. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Blue, White, and Yellow. We're going to leave it there for this week. But as I say, we hope you have enjoyed it. Leave us five-star ratings on all your favourite podcast providers, and we'll be back this time next week. Cheers.